I have a question, Mike Keller. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have you ever baked anything? Baked anything? Yeah, right. No, I mean, you know, as a child, I would bake things with my mom's supervision. Like, let's make a cake together. And she would do it and just, like, assign me tasks like rolling dough. But baked anything? No, that's like a certain kind of alchemy that's way beyond my limited abilities. But you've baked things, I assume. I've baked things very badly. Is your wife the baker of the fam? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's definitely a much better baker. She can bake cookies and muffins and all sorts Whoa. of things. It takes a certain patience. Well, we have a special interview Ooh. with uh, Chris Tucker, who's a vegan baker and the CEO of Betta with Butta. No relation to that other Chris Tucker. Oh, from Rush Hour? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't ask him that. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else asked him that, and he was very grateful that you didn't remind him that he lives in the shadow of Rush Hour Guy. No, he doesn't. Now he's eclipsed him. Rush Hour Guy is in his shadow now. I, I'm sure if if he was related, he'd have maybe maybe a different first name, perhaps? <laughs> yes, unless it, or, a, or a number at the end of his name. So anyway, yes, so... Without further ado, here is, and, and he's an amazing person. Without further ado, here's our interview with Chris Tucker. So we are fortunate to have a very special guest. Uh, we are joined by Chris Tucker, vegan baker, CEO of Betta with Butta. I hope I got that right. <laughs> Betta with Butta. And a former contestant baker on ABC's Great American Baking Show. And uh, Chris was also recently featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine for Pride Month. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And listen, everybody always messes up better with butter. And I think it's one of those things because of the way I spell it. Everybody's always like, is that a typo? Am I supposed to say it with an accent? What's going on here? And just really quick, uh, the story behind that is um, my husband's side of the family is from Jersey. And when we were in a cafe one day, somebody said, would you like butter with that? And I said, oh, my God, I just love the way that they say butter. And so then, you know, from that was born better with butter and we spell it that way, um, you know, to influ influence the the uh, the East Coast accent on there. Well, it's definitely a memorable name, too. It's something you don't forget. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely better with vegan butter. Well, it definitely is nowadays. It's it's better with with a vegan butter, with plant butter. That's right, plant based butter. And what is your favorite plant based butter? So my go to plant based butter is definitely Miyoko's um, for baking. Um, you know, first of all, they're soy free, and you have a lot of people that are constantly, you know, asking for products that are soy free when they're ordering, you know, cakes and stuff, um, cookies, what have you. And so having a product available that is soy free is, is amazing. I will note to everyone listening that their product does contain cashew milk. So if you are ever working with somebody who has an allergy 
I know for me in particular, I might go to the vegan section and I might see a brand like Miyoko's and just grab it because I know it's vegan and not always read the ingredients. I might read those those super um, hyphenated, you know, pop words on the front of the package, like, you know, no soy, no gluten, no GMO, whatever the case may be, but I might not go through the full ingredient list on the back. And I found out the hard way by, um, by giving a friend of mine, thank God it was a friend of mine, um, a piece of cake with frosting that was made with Miyoko's and um, he has a nut allergy. Wow. So I was like, no, there's no nuts. I know you have a nut allergy. And he was like, no, there's got to be. And so when I got home, I was attempting to send pictures of all of the ingredients that I used. And the first thing I picked up was the Miyoko's. And lo and behold, there was cashew milk as the second ingredient. So warning to the wise read your ingredients first of all um but second of all don't just assume that you know things don't have nuts in them i guess i think as vegans uh we get used to reading ingredients anyway we do yeah we do <laughs> yeah. i mean it's always you know it's so in fact I, my eyes are so bad what i'll do is i'll take a picture with my iphone and then enlarge it and just make sure i can read you know all the ingredients and then and then sometimes it's like you need uh, um, to Google some of the ingredients too, like what is this a derivative of? And, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, in order to try to eat as clean as possible, you have to have some type of uh, um, knowledge of chemistry. Exactly. Either that or like a medical degree to yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Working as a professional baking for the public, you know, you, you have to be definitely very uh, aware of everything that's in, inside your, your food. Exactly. And I have just recently switched over to working uh, spe uh, specifically with Miyoko's because I love the way their butter browns. Like, you know, if you have a cookie that's calling for brown butter, it actually browns like normal dairy butter would. Um, it works beautifully in like regular cooking as well. But um, I say all that to say that I had switched over from using another brand because it had soy in it. And I was getting so many requests for soy free things and anyways i digress where did you grow up grow up where did you come from and 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 uh you know how did we start this journey yes yeah, so i grew up in florida um and i'm one of those people who was kind of birthed into food i was fortunate enough to have one set of grandparents who owned a restaurant and so that's where I would spend all of my summers just working in the kitchen and, you know, learning all of these, these tricks of the trade. And I remember this one story in specific, I was working in the, what they called the salad room. And it's where this one cute little old lady, her name was Darlene. She, she was in charge of the salad bar and making sure it was always fresh. And it was a Southern style restaurant. And she, um, she also made the little anniversary cake. So if you attended my grandparents' restaurant on your anniversary, they actually gave you a uh, small, like individual size um, cake for either your anniversary or your birthday. And so we were back there and it was a simple, simple box mix cake. Like they, they weren't doing anything from scratch. And I said to her, you should whip in some whipped cream. I couldn't have been 
older than 12 years old, but it just made sense to me to add whipped cream to the cake batter to make it more light and fluffy and just give it a little bit more something. And she did it. She followed my directions. She first thought I was crazy because here I am, this little boy telling her, you know, to put whipped cream in her box cake mix. And um, she was surprised at how it turned out. And, you know, it's, it's one of those memories I have of being young, but Anyways, my other grandma, she was also a baker and she taught me all of her, all of her tricks. She would come up and and stay with us several times a year. And she was always baking in the kitchen. And I happened to be one of the only grandchildren that was interested in being in the kitchen with her. And so I got to absorb all of her knowledge and just learn from her. Um, I've been out in LA now for probably 12 to 15 years. And I originally moved out here to go to hair school because I thought being a hairstylist to the stars just sounds like what I want to do with my life. And I, I, I quickly learned it wasn't. Um, and here we are. Well, so you were kind of a child prodigy when it came to baking. If any of these master chef kids or any of those types of shows were on back then, I I may have given them a run for their money. So th- you were you were immediately drawn to baking. What, what what is it about baking that you love? I don't know if it's one of those things that is just in the blood from my grandma, um, or if it's the science behind it and just trying to make sense of it all, that it's, it's a challenge to me. Cooking a great meal isn't always a challenge. That's something that again, just comes very natural to me. Now, obviously you have to work at it every day to get better and to achieve, you know, being a better chef, but I grew up in the kitchen at my grandparents' restaurant. And so it's something that I know you need this much fat, this much, this much acidity, this much, you know, uh, sweetness or whatever in, in a dish. And so I think when it comes to baking, it's the, per- the, the precision that goes into it. It's just a little more challenging to me than actually cooking a great meal. I have ultimate respect for you for doing that. I think that's part of it too, is just knowing that you can bake a beautiful cake and be a part of somebody's celebration, right? Like most people don't have cake for just a Tuesday afternoon. I mean, I do because it's what I do and I'm always testing recipes and such, but your your standard person is going to have a cake for a celebration. And so when when somebody comes to you and says, hey, will you make this cake for my graduation or baby shower or birthday? you're getting to be a part of that joyous moment with them. And there's something about that, that that's really special. Um, You know, aside from, aside from just being able to do what you love as a career, it's being part of people's like joy in life. That is also really, really, um, really fun as well. And also you made a decision to also be a personality. And so you got involved in media and and that, I guess, is that what led you to uh, doing the, the Great American Baking Competition? You know, what's funny is that when I moved out to LA again, like I came out here to do hair and kind of be a behind the scenes kind of person. I'm not one of those people that moved to LA to be famous um, or to be in front of the camera. That was just never, that's never something I had as part of my journey in the back of my mind. But 
you know, there were other plans for me in the books. And I started using Instagram to put out like what I was testing in the kitchen, what I was selling for, you know, the cakes that went out that week or what have you. And that actually exposed some casting people from the Great American Baking Show um, to my page. And they reached out and just said, would you like to audition for the show? And I thought, well, that's insane. Um, You know, like I've watched all of the American, I've watched all the British version, and I never even, you know, if you ask my husband, he would tell you that like it was a, like a dream come true moment. And for me, it's one of those things that I never even dreamed of because it wasn't in my purview. Like I never thought I would be on TV. I went through the whole casting process, which is extremely grueling, um, but it's also really fun and exciting. And and looking back on it now, it's definitely part of the memory of being on the show. Um, And then, yeah, I got on the show. And um, it wasn't until we went to London and actually shot the show that I realized I really enjoyed being in front of the camera. And it was really inspiring to me to be around a crew of people and be, you know, be more in that teaching mode. And even though the stakes were so high, I always just kind of felt like I kept my composure and I wasn't really letting my nerves show. And so I got back home after shooting the show and I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And my husband's actually in entertainment as well. And he said, I think we just kind of push you in that direction and and see what happens. And I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. And so, yeah, it's been one of those things where social media and continuing to promote yourself and um, put yourself out there and not say no. It's always just saying yes to opportunities and and doing doing the next thing doing the next thing and putting the next foot in front of the other to, to make your goals happen. Yeah. It's interesting in LA too, where opportunities come. Sometimes they come from such strange places. In LA, you can, it, it really is true that you can be at a coffee shop and hear a conversation going on in front or behind in front of you or behind you interject yourself in that conversation and it could lead to an opportunity. It really is that easy um and also that difficult because you have to step outside of your comfort zone so let's talk more about your vegan journey so so you you were um i guess an omnivore and then you made a transition to becoming vegan now can you tell me a little about that journey i grew up eating fried chicken and guzzling dairy and that was just kind of the way of being between Florida and Georgia. And it's definitely, you know, I am definitely uh, a boy from the South. And so, um, you know, I kind of was my environment. And I'll never forget, we were up in Georgia around Christmas time. And I was in the seventh grade going into eighth grade. So it was it wasn't Christmas, it must have been summer. And my dad and I got sick when we came back home and I went, we went to the doctor and I weighed in at 220 pounds in the seventh, you know, seventh, eighth grade. And 
I remember coming home and just thinking to myself, that's a lot. Like you, you weigh a lot like that. This isn't a healthy situation. And so my weight loss journey kind of started there. And I cut out at that moment, red meat and pork, and I started only eating chicken and fish. And that was pretty consistent for me for about the next maybe 10 years. And then I was like, okay, enough with the chicken. I just went pescatarian. That happened for maybe about a year or two. And then I, then I went vegetarian. So I think there was this preconceived notion that I had where I was stuck on going full vegan because I was a baker. And because I was a chef, I didn't think that I could make a pasta carbonara without eggs. I didn't think that I could make an Alfredo sauce without eggs. I didn't think I could make, uh, I'm sorry, without cream. I didn't think I could make, you know, a beautiful cake with no eggs. How is it going to rise? I didn't, there was all of these limitations that I was putting on myself for dropping dairy and dropping, you know, just taking that last step towards being full vegan. And it wasn't until I watched the documentary, What the Health, that I really was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is what's going to do it. And we watched the documentary and we immediately went to the fridge and cleaned it out of any animal products. And that was, that was it. Like that was kind of the journey to going full vegan. And we haven't, we haven't gone back to dairy or anything since then. And I think for me, like even my business has changed because I feel as if, you know, if you're doing something because it makes you feel good and it's better for the environment, it's better for the animals, it's, you know, it has all of these benefits. It's not ethically, like you're ethically responsible to do the same thing in your business. And um, so I knew that like Betta with Butter had to go vegan as well. And so that's when we made the transition to go completely vegan and gluten-free. So it's just all over our life now. I mean, in some ways you have to build your business up again. Like you go from one place, you have a, you built a clientele and then when you make this shift, you're, you're kind of moving from scratch again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting being based in LA that a lot of people, you know, there, we definitely live in a market for, um, you know, for, for being vegan or being, or being plant-based and people don't, they don't, they don't scoff at it. Like um, they would maybe in other parts of, of the, the world. And so I would say that I was pretty lucky that people just embraced it and it it actually in turn made us a lot busier than what we had. So you would actually think that you were you would have to start from scratch and find new clients and and figure out like where you were going from there because you were catering to a whole different group of people. But in fact, people just kind of latched on because people do have this preconceived notion that they're eating healthier if they're eating vegan. 
Yeah. When in fact, that's not true. Like vegan is not a diet. It's not any, it's not a diet food. It's not any of that stuff. Like you have to still make sure that you're eating properly. If you're eating as a, a vegan, it, it was, it was a good, it was a good transition for us. So we did mention Miyoko's butter. What other ingredients do you use that are different than let's say a traditional baker? Like do you use aquafaba? I do use aquafaba and that's when I first went vegan, aquafaba was the most mind-blowing ingredient for me because I had never just as a regular baker, a regular chef, I had never heard of aquafaba. Now obviously I knew what chickpeas were, but I just always dis- discarded the the juice in the can. Um but when I realized the magic behind this aquafaba, um yeah, I it's pretty magical. And so I'll use aquafaba. I mean, that's great for making in macarons. It's great for egg replacement if you're looking for like something super light and fluffy. I also use a lot of flaxseed, like ground flaxseed for egg replacement and stuff. I actually really enjoy working with tofu um, because I think that it's when you tell people that they just ate like a tofu pudding, they're like, they're, they're kind of blown away by that. They can't quite figure out how, like, what's so, how is it so creamy? And you're like, oh, it's just tofu. And they're like, what, this is tofu. So that's, that's one of my favorite things as a vegan chef and baker is to give people a, a, a meal, give them a dessert and have them be like, that was vegan and not necessarily tell them beforehand and then have them ask all of these questions. Yeah. You know, in, with tofu, tofu is such a, it's kind of the aquafaba of, I don't know, Asian <laughs> soybeans. Uh, uh, I, th- I think that uh, tofu is such an interesting product because you see it in, you know, savory items, but you also see it with, with, with dessert as well. Like there's a yeah. Vietnamese dessert with, with creamy, soft tofu, you know, like, like uber silken tofu that, that yeah. with a syrup. And, and that's extremely delicious and extremely satisfying. Uh, I just, I mean, it is interesting to watch aquafaba. It's like the bean juice, you know, you put it in the mixer and it turns into whipped cream. And how does, yeah. how does the juice of a, of a chickpea turn into whipped cream? It, it's like, it is magical. Yeah, it really is. And that's that fascinating science part that I was talking about at the beginning that just kind of where the, the baking of everything just captivates me a little bit more than just being a chef. So you committed personally to your journey of being vegan, and then you made the change for your company to be vegan. Yeah. And, and I also understand that there are a, a lot of um, social issues. There are certain things that you that, that that are very important to you that 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 you make a priority with your company. You know, for us, it's always about giving back to the community in which we serve, and we serve everybody. And so, it's really important to make sure that you know when movements are happening and when movements aren't happening, that we're making sure that we're a very inclusive company and that we. Um, you know, that, that we're always being supportive of, of just 
every every walk of life. Um, so, you know, when when we actually live right in the the epicenter of where all of the protests were taking place um, last summer, and we were right out there with them. We were protesting along with our friends and and walking and doing the marches and and being really active in the movement because that's stuff that's important for us. You know, as a gay man, you can't ask for equality for, you know, for marriage or for adoption or for, you know, blood transfusions, whatever the case may be, you can't ask for that. And then not support the next person who's asking for the same rights that you are. And so, you know, when it comes to voting rights, when it comes to um, AAPI injustices, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, we we just are all in and we support all of that, um, all of that kind of stuff because we would want all of those different communities to support us if it was, you know, back in the 70s and we were marching with Harvey Milk. You know, it's just, it's very, it's very important to us to just always be engaged and socially connected to make sure that that we know what's going on in the world. Um, not just from an environmental standpoint, but but from a social standpoint as well. Well, also probably coming from the South, you see a lot of different disparities as well. Coming from like the the Pulse the Pulse massacre that happened a couple years ago, like that's a club that I used to go to. Wow! And you know, well, that, like, so Orlando. Yeah, okay. and so a club, you know, like even just having that personal connection where a club is gunned down full of people. And that's a club that you used to go to when you were a young gay teen, you know, that's, that's a feeling that you don't wish on anybody. And that's not even close to the feeling of the people that were either involved in that shooting or, you know, their, their, their uh, family and friends who actually lost people in that. And so, yes, coming from the South is it's, LA is definitely a bubble. It's definitely a bubble in comparison to other parts of, of, of the world because we go home to visit family. You know, my husband's from Virginia. Again, he has his family um, up in the New Jersey, New York uh, area. And we go there and, you know, it's very different as well. So we live in a very special a very special state here in California. We see this behavior sometimes in certain pockets of the Southland as well. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of intolerant people out there. That's part of why it's really important for us to be involved because we know, we know the views um, of people back home and um, we want to be a part of the change. And so it's important for us to use our voices, to use our platform, to to show those people back home who happen to follow us that this is this is what actual human experience is supposed to look like, and this is what acceptance of people is supposed to look like. This is what loving your neighbor actually looks like. And one thing that I saw on your Instagram feed that was really inspiring was was that a paint can, the Stop Asian Hate. <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was uh, a cake I did for um, for stop AAPI. Yeah, hate, and it was it was like a I wanted it to be like a little disruptive, but it was a stop sign, and then it was just a little bit of a splatter because I 
felt like if you were looking at the news, there was such a splatter of hatred going on um, all over the U.S. And, you know, that that was coming, of course, from the rhetoric in Washington at the time. And, you know, I think it was it was kind of just my way of 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 expressing how wide the reach was of of hate for Asian Americans at the time. Yeah. And sometimes instead of making a speech or instead of writing an angry tweet, a beautiful cake can make the statement that, yeah. ins- that inspires people to, to be more civil with one another. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, this was great. So uh, how can our public uh, um, follow you? Obviously, you're better with butter on Instagram. Yeah, better with butter on Instagram. Um, and then our website is betterwithbutter.com. So you can always pop on there. And there's recipes on there. If I do like brand collaborations, I'll, I'll work with different um, brands and write recipes for them. And then there's also an order tab. So through the summer, we're doing just some some cookie gift boxes um, to put out. We're keeping it really easy because our heat is pretty intense at the moment. And so we're just keeping it super simple for safe traveling purposes. But we do ship nationwide. So you can always um, just pop on there and order a box of cookies to send to somebody and help brighten their day up. Well, you've actually brightened my day, Chris. Well, I really appreciate you having me. And thanks. Thanks so much for chatting today, Jason. Thank you. 